Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. And happy Easter to those of you that celebrate Easter. If nothing else, uh, spring is, I think, officially sprung, even here in Ohio, although nobody plans anything until after Mother's Day because we could still have a frost. (laughs) Yeah, and you can't enjoy the warm days either because it's always like huge gust of wind or it's raining, which is lame. Mm. But there has been some sun. There was sun today, so that was good. Um, That's true. Today was pretty nice. It's been nice. Uh, Our kids have been on spring break, and they're driving me bananas. So I'm glad when they'll be back to school next week. Yeah, I I think it's time for adults to get spring break (laughs) and for kids to just keep going all the time. Like, they go through the summer and adults get the summers off. That would be awesome. I mean, I, our kids have, like, amped it up. I don't know what their deal is. They're, like, at 11 all the time, fighting with each other, fighting with me, like, negative about everything. I'm like, I- I'm sorry that I'm giving my blood, sweat, and tears for you. I'm sorry that I brought you into this world only for you to be upset that the restaurant that I was going to take you to instead of just cooking you food at my house, because we got food at the house, like my mom would say, you don't need that. We got food at the house. I was going to take you out, but I was busy. So you're so mad that it's busy. I mean, come on, man. I know. Our kids act like they're like kids of millionaires. I mean, it's not like we spoil them. (laughs) No, we talk about going to Speedway. Like, that's a big thing for us. They act like they, you know, like Kardashians or something. I don't know what their deal is. (sighs) Anyway, we are... um, they're in bed now, so we're enjoying that quiet, enjoying time away from them, and want to uh, talk about some board games. So I'm going to talk about some news. Uh, my first uh, game for news is actually not on Kickstarter. It's on GameFound. That's right. Sometimes we look at other crowdfunding applications. That's why I just call it news instead of Kickstarter news. Uh, actually, my correspondent field fan zero is really good at checking all of the sites. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I normally just stick to Kickstarter. But this is a really cool themed game and the artwork is awesome. And so are the bits. So I definitely want to talk about it. And this game is called Tirnanag Between Worlds. Uh, This is an Irish kind of Celtic themed game where you are a storyteller going into the other world and visiting Tirnanag. It's got these cool, you have like your little storyteller like icons that you're sending them out to get encounter cards. Um, and then you're going to kind of build like your, I think it, they say like build your story, but you're basically, it's a saga, oh, it's a saga, this grid of cards in front of you that you're working to like, you can move values around and you're trying to, and colors and there's card effects that happen. Um, you've got like five rounds to get these cards kind of in this saga where you want them in order to get, um, cards or to get these score scoring points because you've got these I don't know corresponding GS cards which are kind of directing the different rows of your sagas um, and just kind of dictating how you're going to score different rows different placement so you're trying to like maximize that which I love those kind of games which I think is super cool um, and the fact you've got like multiple like three different possible scoring cards and like getting things connected you want colors connected um, but you also want to meet these other criteria and like make it the best scoring um, like thing that you can I think that's really really cool another really cool thing they do with this is that um, they've included the expansion and some upgraded bits the deluxe components are included in your base price That's right. They're included. You get the deluxe edition for the regular price. That's amazing. I love it. So if you like kind of a worker placement card tableau building thing, I I don't know if I've covered all the mechanics, um, or you like, you know, like Celtic kind of mythology in some ways, check out Tiernanog. It's on GameFound. There's six days left. And... 
the deluxe edition, remember, $36. Wow. That's a good price. I mean, I'm not going to applaud them for making the deluxe edition reasonably priced. It's 2023. Um, but yeah, I do appreciate that. We will be getting a copy of this, and <gasps> will be a video of it on our channel. I don't know if we get to keep it, but we'll at least have it for like a couple hours mm. to do the thing that we need Fingers to do Fingers crossed it. that we get to keep it, because yeah. it's cool. It does, it does look like a cool little game, mm. though, for sure. Yeah. All right, so back over to Kickstarter. Um, the next game I want to talk about, it probably will be off Kickstarter by the time that you hear this podcast. And I'm so sorry about that. But I so want to talk about this game, and I'm hoping to convince Jason that he needs to buy the, back the deluxe version of this game for me because I want it so bad. And if you don't know why we want it so bad, you obviously haven't listened to the podcast for a while. The game is called Let's Go to Japan. Uh, this is from AEG. I'm a big fan of... AEG games. Um, we have a lot of like, there's little small games. They just do such a great job. I, um, they had great sales for Wild Origins. It was like my jam. Now they go and they're like, let's go to Japan. I'm like, heck yeah, let's go to Japan. Love it. So what you're actually doing is you're planning a trip through Japan uh, from like what Tokyo to Kyoto, up to Kyoto. So you are it's a draft. You draft cards. You're drafting cards to be placed in your itinerary. So you've got like these different days, like Monday through Saturday, that you're going to go on this trip. So you're drafting activities to put them into your itinerary. And you can place them like you can stack up different activities all on the same day. But those activities maybe um, want like you can match icons up that'll give you like favorable conditions so that those activities go well because. All activities, even if they're great, they can bring you happiness, but they're also going to bring you some stress because, I mean, like me, I don't like a super planned vacation. So you got to make sure you're balancing the stress with your happiness. Um, and so you're passing cards, the cards you don't pick to the next player. Um, rounds are moving and the round marker actually tells you how many cards that you're going to draft and play in the next round, which I think is kind of cool. So you're like really juggling in order to travel between cities, you've got to add train ticket tokens to go between these activities if you're going to different places. Uh, and then at the end, you're going to go on this trip that you've built together um, to activate and score your cards Monday through Saturday. I love that idea. I Also, I don't know it yet. I feel like this is Vincent Dutrade art, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know that either. I don't think it is. It, it, that doesn't that doesn't mean it, it has a look but i don't i don't know who did the art oh crap it's by the game josh wood made the game i do know that he's the yeah he does a lot of his own art so maybe maybe he did, he did the art if he did he has like a feel like vincent detroit it, it kind of gives me that feel to the the look of it but you can like do the activities are really cool like eat ramen at the best place and i'm like oh yeah dang i love that right um and then if you add certain tokens to it, you can like visit the master chef there and you get like points for like these lucky cat. Ah, I love it. Or visit an anime museum um, or go to like a traditional drumming class. Like there's just, it's so cool, right? I love that. So if you love Japan like me, or if you like like fun little um, drafting management, you know, tableau management games, um, it looks like maybe some set collection, like pinging things off of each other to get those points based on the different kinds of activities you have. Check out Let's Go to Japan by AG. By the time this episode drops, I think, two days left in the Kickstarter. I'm so sorry. 39 bucks for the base game. However, however, the deluxe edition looks Amazing. I mean, amazing. So it's called the Mitsuri edition. It's delivered in a furoshiki cloth. A furoshiki cloth. For those of you who don't know, furoshiki cloths, they're like basically like super sustainable wrapping. Like my grandma used to sell the time, wrap presents in like a cloth and tie it at the top. Um, it's it's pretty also. And it's functional and it's not like wasting paper, even though like we have a lot of recycled wrapping paper and stuff. So it comes in for a sheet cloth, right? And the cloth is cute. You get a gold foil box. You can have five players. The tokens are wood, which I love 
There's cloth storage bags. Um, you've got the scoring journal, which is cool. But, but they also give you these NAMI printed ceramic bowls, even though it says bowels as I'm looking at the Kickstarter. Someone should help this dude out. I mean, they are beautiful. These little bits bowls. You're going to, they're just gorgeous. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm fine with like an, a, a wooden token and these storage bags are boss. Like they're really cool. They've got this beautiful pattern um, that I love. But, but the ceramic bowls, oh man, super cute. Arriving in a nice storage box. I mean, come on. And also, if you subscribe to their newsletter, you can get um, an expansion, a little expansion for free. So like this is Monday. It's like a day trip expansion. So you can go to a day trip, I think, on Sunday or something, which is cool. I mean, so the deluxe is $69, but you get like it's like so worth it, right? Oh, my gosh. I want this game so bad you don't even know you do know i've been going on about it for a while if any of that sounds good to you check it out let's go to japan two days left check it out quick on kickstarter yeah i mean i'm sure this is a good game cat lady's great santa monica's great those are both from that guy Um, yes i was thinking it reminded me of santa monica the way you're like playing cards to bounce off each other with the different types of activities it almost feels like santa monica 2.0 like looking at it just what i know about it so it, it does seem cool, yeah. Uh, probably not going to back it though. Oh man! But but the furoshiki cloth. I'll grab a game and I'll put it in a furoshiki cloth and I'll set it on the the porch if you want. I want this game. We can put some other Asian game. It's in It's gold foil and boss box. We got fifth players. We got upgraded wooden tokens, including these train tokens. We don't play games at five players, remember? That's a no-go. These cloth bags. You like cloth bags. Uh, uh. (laughs) That's not enough for me to back the Kickstarter. These bowls, bits bowls, ceramic bits bowls that are really pretty with the waves. Get the bowls out of Arch Ravels and we can use No, they don't. No, those aren't even close, these bowls. (laughs) You didn't even look at them. I'm backing this myself. You try and stop me. All right, well, we can do that after we finish this. Um, <laughs> Try and stop me? Yeah, right. I already backed it too late. Our last game, I was intrigued by, because it's got a cool theme, which is like blacksmithing, which I think is cool. Uh, you don't see that every day, although I've seen a couple new newer games that have that theme. But it also said that like it's being made in Fort Wayne, Indiana, or something like that, which I find totally interesting because... I'm like super close to Fort Wayne. No, a lot of friends live in the fort. Even more interesting, I happen to see a member of the Riveted on the Kickstarter page. Our own Melanie from the Great White North talking about the game Forge. And I do believe that she has a review because they quote her from her review on the Kickstarter page. So Forge is from Fundamental Games. You have a blacksmith shop. And you're going to forge some stuff. And you're also, to do that, you're going to send your assistants out and your blacksmith out too. So you got the, the blacksmith guy and your assistants. Go on to the city. You're going to get source it, resources. You're going to develop your forge. You're going to like work on it. And you're going to fulfill contracts. I mean, basic worker placement kind of game, but with this really fun theme, really cool bits. So you've got your blacksmith. You know, he can go out. You've got your assistants. They do different things. Um, when you're... Your blacksmiths return to the forge after all the actions are done. They can actually forge a contract card. Um, and like the bits are really interesting. And you're, you've got hammers that mark your achievements. So you can, you're going to go out to the city. You're going to develop your forge. You're going to gain reputation. So that you get special benefits. You go to the mines, get metal so that you can, you know, do your forging and upgrading. Um, and then you're, you're trying to like meet these different achievements to drop your hammers on this cool board, training your assistants so they get better at stuff. Um, you can get different like items of contracts, like different types of contracts, common or military. Maybe you want to help out royalty, which I, I like that idea. Trading those incomes and all kinds of things. Super, 
Cool. Super cute. I, I like that idea. You're a blacksmith. I got to get my stuff. I'm going to forge this stuff. Going to make my shop better. It's I love that. We watched a lot of Forged and Fire around here. So I feel like every time I'd make something, I'd be like, it will kill. It will kill. <laughs> and I, I want to get like that army ranger guy to like narrate while we're playing. You think he's busy? I don't know. What's his? W- will Willis? Will Willis. Is that his name? Will Willis? I, I think so. It almost sounds not real. But that dude is legit. So since I can't be on Forged and Fire... I probably will play Forge instead. So if that sounds interesting to you, check out Forge on Kickstarter. Five days left on the campaign and it is $56. Yeah, this one does look cool. And I was looking up this company and the designer and I really thought I'd done a game from them, but I didn't recognize any of the games on the list. So hmm. it just all seems super familiar. Like the the company name, the designer's name. I was like, man, I've done something here. But no, they're all games that I would never play. <laughs> Aside from this one, I would play this one. <laughs> but the other ones, not so much. Well, there you go. And those are all the games I have for this week on Kickstarter. And GameFound, actually. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. Since we've not had a podcast for a minute, uh, we've gotten some games played. We played a lot of games, a lot, a lot of games, and we're going to talk about three of those games, and we're going to start with the one that I'm pretty excited about. It's the second game from Plaid Hat that's in our collection. So, not just one, we now have two. Next thing you know, we're painting minis and we're (laughs) having campaigns. Hey now. No. Uh, This game is called Hickory Dickory. And we picked this up when we were out for our anniversary, just shopping, because that's what we do. We're exciting. (laughs) And it looked cool. It was on my anticipated games of 2023 list, I'm pretty sure. Um, It definitely was. It definitely was. And this is a game about mice running up a clock. You know, Hickory Dickory Dock, that whole thing. But effectively what you're doing is you are taking on the role of these little, these four mice. Each mouse has a different power. They're going to let you do things. But what you're going to be doing is you're going to be riding around on that minute hand of this clock. And it's going to go to each of the spaces. So the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way through 12. And when you're on the minute hand and you get to a new location, you can decide to jump off and take the action or stay on the minute hand and ride it around to get to a different action. So kind of like... Zolkin-esque a little bit. Same kind of idea. You can let your worker stay on there and they can get farther around to take different actions. But if you, there's also some mice who are going to be on the inside of the ring and they can decide to either take that action or jump onto the minute hand to move to another location to take the action that they want. And ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to get these different tiles, put them in your mouse's like storage bag and deliver them for a bunch of points and to place them on your little player board thing that you're trying to complete rows and columns. That's the whole gist of the game. There's some relics that you're also trying to get to deliver to the Lord Cuckoo at the the 12 spot that gives you a lot of points and does some extra stuff, but just trying to collect tiles, deliver them, score points. And all the special powers on the mice are really cool. They let you jump extra spaces when you're getting off. One of them can move all over the place, take a bunch of different actions, but can carry less. One of them we called Biggie. He carried more stuff, and he took up two spaces on the mouse clock, uh, the minute hand. Uh, and then there's another one that when you draw tiles, you get extra tiles. You can push people off the, the minute hand. It's so good. This is a, a fantastic game. I think we've played it three times now, four times, and it, it's so fun. It did not disappoint. It did not disappoint. So what did you feel about this one? Um, I really like this one. Like you mentioned um – it's Zulkin-esque, but so... Just that, just that. Yeah, yeah, thing. but I mean, it's easier. Like, it's super not intimidating. It's... Um, Cuter like, theme, probably, too. The, it's super cute. Like, it's super fun to play these little mice. They're adorable. Um, and it, it is fairly strategic. I mean, you're like, okay, you really honestly need to get your mice together. If you have hope of, you know, trading and getting stuff where it needs to be, like... Because your mouse can only do the one action and then it's stuck there until the next round. So it's like, okay, I might not be able to deliver every round. I've got to get some, you know, different like buttons and marbles and stuff in my bag. Well, I have to get to someone who can actually sell it. So that moving around, um, trying to hang out on the clock hand, 
as long as you can or to be able to be in the same space, another one of your mice, like that's super key and difficult. Like, honestly, um, the first time we played this, I was like, boss. I think ever since then, crap. <laughs> like, yeah, really. yeah I, I actually won a game of this. It felt good. But it, it is. It's really fun. It's really fun. Um, I liked it a lot. It's super cute looking. So cute. I love it so much. The look of it. Totes adorbs, right? Yeah, it, it is awesome. And the thing that I think is interesting, we have two plaid hat games. And they couldn't be further apart in theme and gore and cuteness. Uh, Abomination, super dark <laughs> and you know grimy and crazy theme. And this one's adorable, like super inviting. <laughs> so that's pretty cool too. All right, so the next game is one that I've played a lot online. And we got sent a copy um, from someone who listens to the podcast. And then we played it in real life. And I think Katie's actually played it more than me in real life. Uh, and mm. this game is Sea Salt and Paper. And this is a Bruno Catala and Teo, I'm not sure how you say his name, Teo Rivier. I, I don't know, he's French. I can't, I'm not good with names. Sorry, that's just what we're going to say. Bruno and Theo. There we go. And this is a little card game with adorable little origami art. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to collect cards to score points. And the way you're going to do that is by either drawing cards at the top of the deck or drawing a card from the discard pile. Now, there are some cards you have to hold in your hand to collect the sets in your hand. And the more of those cards you get, the more points you get. But there are some cards that are called duos that they have matching symbols in the top corner. You can play those down and you can take special actions. There's four different kinds of those. Some will let you draw at the top of the deck. Some will let you take another turn. You can steal cards from players and you can search through the discard pile. And then you're going to keep going like that around until... Um, someone gets to seven points. Once someone has seven points, either cards up in front of them and in their hand, they can decide to either stop. Everybody scores the points in their cards, or they can do a last chance, which is I'm basically betting that even if everybody else takes one more turn, I'll have more points than them. And then once it comes, you know, once if you stop it, you score. If you go back around and you had the most points, then you score as well. And then you're just trying to play until, um, a certain number of points based on the number of players and whoever has most points is the winner. That's it. Uh, it took longer to explain that than it does actually play the, play the game, but it's a, a great game. Fantastic art. It's a lot of luck, but you're just trying to, it's, I like to call this making the best of what you draw the game. That's kind of what it is. Uh, but I really like it and it's super fun. So how do you feel about this? I don't know if I played it more than you, like maybe I've played like five or six times now. I've only played it with Amber and Jamie, Chris and Amy, mm-hmm. and yeah, and you won, and that one game we yeah, so that's it. Oh, okay, I played yeah, it. Yeah, so you, you yeah, you played it more. Um, and honestly, like when you explained it the first time, I was like, whoa, it seemed overwhelming. And then I was I taught it the other day, and I literally explained it in like thirty seconds. And they're like, oh, okay, and it was fine. <laughs> So I don't know what happened. Well, there's just so many cards. I think that can feel a little overwhelming. Yeah, or if I just understood it better myself. Um, But, I mean, obviously, the origami is a huge winner for me. Um, I've loved origami since I was a child. Um, At Christmas time, my grandma would make, we'd make cranes, put them on the Christmas tree. I love the feel of good origami paper. Like, I I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. So it's it's got me hooked. Obviously, I make up a different name every time I say this. It's almost as bad as I am with like kids' table board games. Yeah, good job. That was right. <laughs> Did it? Was it right? I just said it real fast. I didn't think. I'm always like sand and salt water. I, like I make up different. <laughs> you, you were saying sea salt and sand yesterday. That's what you kept saying. <laughs> I mess it up all the time. But it's one of those games that's like a laid back. Like I love. It's right in my wheelhouse of card games where the actions are simple. You either draw two and keep one, discard one, or you take one off the discard pile. Those are literally like what you do on your turn. Then like, oh, if I made a match, if I have a duo, I just call them match, 
If I have a set. Yeah, that's what it should be called. I don't know why it's called a duo. That's if I have the set, I play it down and I do the action that's shown on it. Like super simple, right? Um, but then it's like, okay, what are other people picking up? What are, What's out there? What have I seen? What am I going to draw? Like, should I keep this? Because there's set collection cards. There's also the matches of cards. Um, there's cards that give you points based on the number of, of a certain type of other card that you have. Uh, mermaids can give you points for colors, which are nice to have. And then to decide when to stop or when to go. Like we were playing some several games last night and we basically almost play the deck out almost every time. Whereas I think it might've been to my advantage if I had said stop earlier, although I wasn't really getting seven points the first couple games. I was pretty crap. Um, but it reminds me like Kanafada has that that similar kind of feature. We in my household we always said, Come on. So if I get a scoring set and I'm like, well, I got three papers. I, I wanna go for five or I wanna you know, I can get more. I'm gonna say, Come on, everybody keeps going until someone else scores. And I'm hoping it's me because I get double my points. Big risk, big reward. So here it's it's in some ways the same. Instead of koi koi, you are saying last chance. Um, and knowing when to say that and to your advantage, that is something strategic that you can do and bypass some luck. But yeah, there is some luck about co- cards come out and, um, you know, how they come out in the cycle. But it's still, it's really pretty to look at. It's very casual to play, but full of meaningful decisions. Which and multiple pass to victory, always my favorite. So I I really like this. I have played it a lot, and I will continue to put it in my rotation of games that I like to teach and play with people. It's good. Yeah, you were comparing it to Hanafada, but I like to me it kind of feels like gin rummy. I think it's more like I, Hanafada than gin rummy. I'm a huge gin rummy fan, and. If it feels like it. only because you're keeping those cards in your hand, trying to collect the sets all in your hand, and that's what you do in Jen. You're trying to get the runs in your hand, and then you're knocking, which in this case it would be the last chance. Everybody else gets a chance to beat you. Uh, but it, you're it feels also playing. Similar to you're that. playing some cards out in front of you too. Like I don't, yeah, I don't so know. it's like regular Rummy and Gin Rummy com- combined. That's how I kind of look. And at the it. people I played with last night were like, "This is like Phase Ten," and I'm like, "No, it is not at all like Phase Ten. No. You are crazy." <laughs> It's definitely not like Phase 10. <laughs> I was like, uh, whatever you tell yourself. That game is terrible. <laughs> and this game is not terrible. No, it's awesome. All right. And the last game we're going to talk about is a game that I made a trade for on theme alone because I'm a sucker for games about bands and music band themes. And that's what this is. This is Troll Fest. This is from Trigger Treat Studios, Bruno Faduti with the co-designer. I can't remember his name. Um, and this, what this game is, it's super simple. You are forming a band of crazy creatures like orcs and goblins and mermaids and all that kind of stuff, playing different instruments, singing, and then you're going to take that band on tour to different towns to put on performances to score points. That's more thematic than the game actually is. Um, but what that really means is you're going to have some cards played down in front of you, different band members, different stats instruments and you're going to move your little van to the location put a ticket down score points for the band members that match the color of that city that's legit the game and you're going to do that till someone runs out of tickets there's also these little action cards that you can play to help you along your way you're trying to collect these dragon token light wooden bits that if you can get the most of those you can score some points and there's just lots of ways to score points at the end of the game so you're trying to get points during the game and then collect cards and all the stuff you need to score a lot of points at the end of the game. Super simple, pretty quick, but theme alone, this is a 10 on theme because I love the theme. Uh, gameplay is probably like a 6 or 7, but theme is a 10. So how do you feel about Trollfest? Um, it was okay. I think I need to play it again to decide how I really feel about it. It doesn't get any deeper on multiple plays. I'm not, I'm not expecting it to get deeper, to be honest. Like... <laughs> I'm also trying to decide, like, is is it just dumb luck? Is there a good way to win or go about things? I don't even remember who won. I'm uh, did I win? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't remember who won. I just I was just enjoying the journey. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, I I I feel like it has potential to be cool with that theme, but I don't. The theme doesn't really enter into a, a ton of stuff. 
So I don't, I don't know. It was okay. It was okay. I mean, it's something about getting an orc that's playing a mouth harp. That's pretty fun. I mean, I mean, I play, I would play it again. I will say that I would play it again. Um, but if it doesn't hit better the second time, I'm not playing it again. <laughs> yeah, I've I've played it twice. It plays out kind of similarly. Uh, but the good thing is it's like 35, 40 minutes. It is, so it it is quick. That's true. <laughs> it doesn't outstay its welcome, which is pretty nice. All right. So starting on a high note, ending on a eh note. <laughs> those are the games we played. Let's keep going. Trollfest might not be high on my list because it's not really my type of game necessarily. I have a few mechanics that I absolutely love. One of them being Jason Smith. Ha ha ha. Um, there's some things that I. Re- <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna edit that. Out. that was <laughs> Go for it. I don't care. It's late. I had some dairy. I'm wound up. The kids. You know. I don't know what's happening anymore. Um. <laughs> But there are some mechanics. If I see that on a game, I am automatically interested. And I know that's the same for a lot of you, but I don't know that we have the same mechanic. But you've heard me talk about this one a lot. And I was on the board game rundowns Whiskey Wednesday a few weeks ago. I don't know how many weeks ago, maybe a month ago. (laughs) Yikes. Um, And they let me choose the topic. And of course, I want to talk about one of my favorite mechanics, which is deduction. Dun, dun, dun. I have watched crime shows since I was a child, um, read mystery books. I listen to true crime podcasts. Um, and so I love to play games where I get to figure a little something out through deduction. So uh, this episode, we're going to talk about our favorite deduction games, pure deduction. And next episode, we will talk about our favorite social deduction, which I think is a different beast entirely. However, um, not actually not the games that I picked, but often in deduction games, I also use social deduction to help me figure out what other people <laughs> are doing. Um, Jason doesn't operate the way, but he does have some deduction games he likes. So you want to start? We've got our top three for today. Yeah, I will start. And I was looking through my list. Almost all of mine, except for three, including honorable mentions, are old games, like vintage games. Because hmm. those those are the um, deduction games that I actually prefer more. And all mine are like, new. That's weird. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the way that they were. Because this was a there was a lot of deduction back in you know the seventies and the eighties, mm-hmm. and I just feel like you know I like the way that the roll and move goes with it. I like the simple deduction because that's more my speed, and these are usually simpler deduction. <laughs> so that's going to be kind of the trend in my list here. So my first one is an old game, but it's from the great Reiner Knizia, and this game is called Who Was It? Uh, we've talked about this multiple times. This is a uh, probably a kids game. In all honesty, it's a kid's game where you're trying to figure out who stole this ring from a jewelry box. And you're doing that by moving around this haunted castle by rolling a die. You're going to go to these different rooms. And then you have this talking jewelry box that when you go into a room, you can push some buttons and you can investigate by talking to the animals. You can feed them food. You can look around, use magical items. And you're just trying to figure out clues to narrow down the list of, I think, 10 suspects down to the one who actually stole the ring. And then you have to make a final guess before the wizard rides into town and destroys everybody. It's super, it's not, I I played it with our youngest daughter and we lost twice. Katie comes in riding on her white horse. (laughs) We win in like three rounds like you do. Um, I mean, I don't know what's so hard about this game. We even played it like the hard level and I was like, I got this. For me, this is challenging enough. This is where I want to stop on deduction. For regular people, it's probably going to be super easy. But even though it is easy, the journey is still fun. It's adorable. Um, Feeding the the food to the animals is really fun. And I just love this game. So number three, who was it? 
Uh, the gimmick on this game is what makes it awesome. Like, you're pushing these buttons on this jewelry box, and it talks to you. And, like, the voice, like, there's this ghost that moves around. He's like, hi, I'm the ghost. And it's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's like chains, like, clanging too. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically like Scooby-Doo the board game, but without Scooby-Doo. Like, it's medieval-themed. Yeah. Um, My number three is not an old game. Although maybe in terms of board gaming, it is old. I have no idea when this came out. It's not been that long ago, right? Yeah, it's it's still modern. Yeah, it's, it's still modern. Um, and this game is based, I don't know if you'd even call it an IP. Yeah, it'd be an IP. It's based on IP that I'm a big fan of and that I use in my classes sometimes. And that is Mask of the Red Death. This game is awesome. We've talked about it before, I believe. Um in this game, you are one of the party goers at the prince's party. And the game is in two phases. The first phase, you're moving around this party, um, building up like your popularity, but you're also trying to catch a peek at the cards that tell where death is going to be, which color room at which time. And that sounds easy, but it's freaking so hard because you're never going to see all the cards. Like you just can't. Um, and so you're using these cards in your hand. A lot of them get discarded after you play them. So you can't play them again in the round. And you're just like freaking doing your best trying to figure some stuff out. Because once we've kind of gone through the hours, uh, we've gone through the party, midnight strikes. And death is getting ready to show up. If you're in the same room as death, you die, you lose. So you then before death shows up, you program where you need to go, which room, at which time to avoid death. The Also, the other problem is, like, the rooms are in a circle, and you can only move from, like, one, one room to an adjacent room. You can't move across a circle. So you're just, like, and half the time you're guessing anyway. So you're trying your freaking best to see where you can get to where you know death isn't at certain times where you know that death won't be, but then you got to somehow get there anyway to the safe spaces in between these other times where you have no idea what's happening. Oh my gosh. But because of that, the tension is like ratcheted up to an 11. Like the whole time you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like you program, you're like, okay, okay, hope for the best. And then every time you're like, okay, it's 12 o'clock and death moves. Okay, where is he in the next 10? And like you just, it is oh, like high high anxiety because you're like man death is freaking coming for me like it's so crazy how that works out the artwork is also boss it is awesomely gothic it really fits in with the theme of Poe's short story um it's a great deduction game so that's my number three mask of the red death yeah this is a good one i didn't put it on mine because i knew you, you like it better than me and it would be on your list for sure so my number two, we figured out who it was. <laughs> now in this number two, it's going to be what they did. And this one is who done it. Who done it. Spelled real dumb. Um, but this is a game from the 70s. And this is kind of like Clue. A lot like Clue. You're rolling dice. You're moving around this mansion. But where this one differs is... In each of these rooms in the mansion, there's going to be some tokens, which are going to have like a trait on it. And these traits could be like small, sharp, shiny. Um, the the people are like tall, dark, handsome, that kind of thing. Dark, mean, neat, that, that type of stuff. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the traits or see the traits to eliminate the people that it's not on this card. So you know if you see dark, mean, and neat out there in the board, you know that the person who has the traits dark, mean, and neat cannot be the criminal. So you're trying to find the traits that aren't there to narrow down the criminal. And there's suspect, there's weapon, there's a scene, and then there's a motive. So there's four things you're trying to figure out instead of just three. And just like normal Clue, you can get a, you can get some cards that like teleport you to a room you can steal people's clues or look at their clues get an extra clue off the board take an extra turn all that kind of stuff the normal game stuff that you would do in the 70s skip turns that kind of deal but i don't know i like the way this one does it better than clue i like the tokens i like that that again it's more my speed of deduction this is probably easier than clue which is why i like it it's definitely not a looker but it's a fun game so my number two 
whodunit. Have I played this? Because what you said does not sound familiar at all. No, I've only played it with Brandon a couple times. Why not me? I don't know. You just weren't here. Um, it, I probably do need to play it with you because it doesn't play as good with two. You need to have more more than two people. <laughs> it was pretty easy. We had like half the clues right from the start. <laughs> it's like, you know I love deduction. Why are you hiding these deduction games from me? Yeah, this is this one has a similar vibe as the one that you're going to talk about in your uh, honorable mentions, but uh, I like this one a little bit better. Okay. Uh, my number two is like even more new than the last one, actually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, and it kind of violates my hatred of space games, which I'm notorious for and also notorious for making exceptions to. And this is one of them. And that is Search for Planet X. Oh my gosh, I love this game, right? Like this takes this this is very similar to not in theme, but in method to a game that Jason's gonna talk about. Um, but I like it way better. So you have a little like there's this observatory that moves around and it's looking at different parts of the sky. And you're trying to figure out which sector Planet X is in. Um, and you're doing that by deduction because you are there are also asteroids out there. Um, there are, I forget what other stuff is out there in the black holes and something else, I think. These Don't other, ask me, I blocked it out. <laughs> these other bodies um, in the sky. And so you know, you know how many there are uh, you know, like, okay, there's not, if there's none in this place, like, there's this set of rules they give you. It's so straightforward deduction. Like, I don't understand. Like, Jason, like, fell, tripped and fell on his face at, like, the starting line on this one. And I can't figure out why. <laughs> uh, because it is so straightforward. It reminds me when I was a kid, and I'm sure I've talked about this before, uh, I was went to this class uh, a couple times a week where we did, like, special games and work and stuff. And one of them was called Mindbenders, where it would be, like, um, you'd have a grid, and on one side were, like, the names of kids, and on the other side, like, that would be, like, down the horizontal axis, and across the vertical axis would be, like, pets, different types of pets. And then we got more advanced, there'd be, like, a third, like, lower section, which would be, like, the name of the pet. And then you'd have a series of clues that would be, like, Lois, um, Lois's pet is named Bob, but it's not a dog. And so, like, you can mark off different things and, like, acknowledge things, like, you're eliminating possibilities in order to deduce. And that's what Search for Plan X does. There's some basic rules that it tells you that you can know uh, once you figure out where certain bodies are that lets you eliminate certain other things, which then narrows down to plan X. So then you're also doing this thing where, I don't know if they're called hypothesis or what, but saying like, okay, I this is, there's like an asteroid in this quadrant or whatever, and you get points um, for making those kind of, I don't know, discoveries or whatever. I don't know what they call it as well. We actually don't own this game, probably because I love it and Jason doesn't. Uh, but I've been dying to play it again because it, it's it's a rush, man. I, I loved it. It's got this really great app integration that I think works really well. Um, the way that the observatory moves, I just think it's so cool. It's so cool. So my number two is Search for Play Next. So you say straightforward, but when I think straightforward, I think of my number three game. Who was it? Which Innocent. you still lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, but that's straightforward to me. I don't know. This game is real bad. It's not. Even, I'm not a bad game. I mean, I did real bad at it. This. It's a good game. I'm just dumb. But you're, to go along but with you're my, not my dumb. Game, that's what I don't understand. My brain doesn't work in this way. It doesn't. It's just something that my. I. It just doesn't work. I can't do it. Deduction is always a struggle for me. It could be you could give me three cards, take one out, and I have to try to figure out that third one. I'm probably not going to do it. Just the way it goes. It's okay. I'm gonna keep okay. trying. We babe. all we all we all have our strengths. I can't Mine arrange tiles not... that are different shapes. I don't know. <laughs> or squares. Or, or just squares, squares. Even I can't do that. <laughs> so to go along with Katie's number two, she kind of mentioned that my number one is like it, and it is kind of like it. So my number one is the Alchemists. And mostly why this is my number one, it has some deduction in it, but it's also like a midweight Euro with some deduction slathered on top of it. With worker placement, so there's, yeah. Yeah, there's like worker placement, some like contract fulfillment, all that kind of stuff. But 
the um, deduction comes in is you're trying to mix these different ingredients to make potions. And you're going to do that by t- picking a couple cards. You're going to put it on this like screen you have in front of you, which is a big monster of a beast. And then you're going to take a picture of it with your camera, and it's going to tell you what kind of potion it is, if those things go together. We haven't played it for a long time, so I don't even know if that's right. But you're trying to figure out these potions and figure out what plants go with what to get the colors you need to sell to the travelers and to write papers on there's going to be some icons up on this separate board and you're going to be writing like research papers or something to score extra points um so yeah it's got some deduction but my favorite part of the game is actually the rest of it but i had to put it on here because it's not something from the 70s and it is good um and it has some deduction that i don't mind i do okay at this so my number one alchemist yeah, I, I like Search for Planet X better than Alchemist because I feel like Alchemist has too much other stuff going on that get in the way of me deducing the ingredients, and I, I get annoyed by it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not as successful at this one because I'm like, what's this other BS I have to deal with? I almost said the real word. I, it's it's late, and my mouth is, my tongue's unglued. Your tongue's just going to make you say bad words? <laughs> yeah. Sherbity. <laughs> I'll get the mute button ready. We got get it. it. We need to take out the corny sound machine and make all kinds of noises <laughs> every time I say something. Uh, my number one, I know y'all, as soon as I said deduction, you're like, we know what Katie's number one is. And if you know me at all, which uh, as a side note, I was talking with um, our friend Tim over at Board Game Down about this. Tim, Tim Aberly. And he was like, you know, I feel like I know you really well because of the podcast and we do the chat and discord and all kinds of stuff. Um, even though I think we've played games with Tim like twice or three times, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's so true. Like how you think, you know, people even through social media and, and even through this podcast, like, I feel like there's so many people that I know some of you have never met in real life, but I feel like I'm like, Oh yeah. Th- so-and-so would like this. Oh yeah. You know what? I should tell Mel about this. She totally, this is her kind of game or whatever. Um, Oh, Fred absolutely would think this is hilarious. Like it's so interesting. That's the way it is. So those of you that know me in finger air quotes, you know my number one game. You know my number one deduction game. Uh, it's not my number one game of all time, but who is it high on my top 100? Because it's so freaking good. It is like, um, it's my dream. <laughs> and that's Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Um, I read Sherlock Holmes for the first time when I was in sixth grade, I think. I may have seen something before then. Uh, but sixth grade, we read The Speckled Band. We watched a film strip and read <laughs> The Hound of the Baskervilles. Gosh, I'm going to sound ancient, but it, it was a film strip, I remember, distinctly. Um, you listened to it on eight track. <laughs> no, that's like late. Like it was, it was a 45, man. Um, no, it was, um, it, it changed, it changed me. I already loved books, but literature became such a big thing for me in sixth grade. And Sherlock Holmes was a part of it. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the way he wrote, like the idea of the Moors and, and Sherlock using his observation skills. And that's what Consulting Detective does. If you don't know about it, if you haven't heard me talk about it a billion times, Consulting Detective is... Um, where you basically get to be Sherlock. There is a brief beginning of a case that they give you at the, there's like a, you have a case booklet. So the first page or two lays out the case. Some give you more information than others, for sure. Uh, You've also got a map of London. You've got a London directory. Uh, You've got some newspapers. And depending on which one you have, there might be some other things thrown in there. So then once you read the intro to the case, you go do the detective work. You think about what you know. Who do I need to talk to? I need to go to the crime scene. I need to go see, you know, the criminologist. What kind of, um, like, testing can we get done? Um, Did the cabbies see anything? Uh, Have there been any telegraphs? Like, you are are doing the legwork and you are thinking it through. Like there is no hand holding, there is no checking off boxes. You have to find the box. 
Um, and for me, this is all those stories I loved as a kid and as an adult to like, I got to be in it. It was like, uh, I don't, it was like LARPing, but not actually doing it, just reading and thinking, which makes it sound even nerdier than I thought possible. <laughs> um, I don't wear costumes while I do this, but... Not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm like, I've got a magnifying glass. Um, my favorite of, then there's several. There's the original, which uh, Astari did at first. People like complained about that one. There's translation issues, whatever. That didn't stop me from having a good time. Uh, there's a Jack the Ripper and the Weston Murders. That is the best, in my opinion, the, of the ones I played. It's the best. Um, they've made other advances in the game since then to make it a more game-like experience, I would say. But oh, when you work through the Jack the Ripper murders, it, it it follows historically a lot of those murders, which I think is really interesting, number one. But in each case, you're not necessarily figuring out who Jack the Ripper is. You're figuring out some other things about that particular murder. And at the end, you put them all together to try to figure out who the most likely the murderer was unbelievable I, I was that crazy guy that meme where his hair is wild and he's got like push pins and post-its and strings everywhere on the board that's what it was i was like pulling out unused pawns that we have like putting them everywhere like moving like it's it's so it's so good it's so good it's so immersive it's so thematic um yes there's a lot of reading Obviously, it doesn't bother me. I'm an English professor. Um, and I play with one of my best friends who she is also a big reader like me. And we love Holmes. And we just like get into it, man. We're like, kids, don't come talk to me. I'm solving a murder right now. I don't care what you need. Unless the house is on fire and I have to save this case. I don't care. Like, it's it's so it's so great. And it's, it's like an armchair detective's dream as far as a game. There are other ones after that that have done some interesting things. Carlton House um, gave you a separate booklet and a separate map uh, that you can look at the location itself of the house. And like, honestly, where the rooms were and things were really important. Um, then they did uh, what I'm working on now is the Baker Street Irregulars, which I think has been the best advancement game wise, where if you when you go to certain places, you get to cross off a letter because you found like a clue that will help connect to another place. So that really keeps you if you show up somewhere and it's like, oh, do you have you marked the letter J? If you haven't, it's like you find nothing and you have to have some integrity not to read the entry. And you leave and go somewhere else until you find that that letter to get you what you need to know. Because you should have gone somewhere to lead you to the right place. Um, there is a new one. That I've heard is a little different. The one that takes you to America and gets you involved with like the underground old ancient one cults or whatever, which I have not yet played because I'm still finishing the Baker Street Regulars. Um, there's only, I think, eight cases instead of 10 or six cases instead of 10, I think. Um, and I know it's different, but I'm willing to give it a go because I love this game so much and i've taken a ton of time to talk about it my number one sherlock holmes consulting detective yeah i got nothing to say <laughs> i know you don't like it uh it's just reading it's like reading a book but you but thinking and then applying it and reading the right parts again deduction is not my favorite jam so maybe if this was like i don't know there was some worker placement involved I might like it a little bit more, but yeah, I don't know. But you are. You're like putting your detective worker at at the rat and the raven it, and talking to Porky Shinwell. It's, uh, it's imagination. I'm not good at that either. You know that. I know. All right. Well, there's a top three. Um, we do have some honorable mentions. So do you want to get us started with your honorable mentions since I've talked forever yes. about Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, I will do that. Uh, so on this list, I have three of the five are old and busted, but they're still good. So... Uh, my first one is the Shipwreck Arcana. This is a cooperative deduction game where you have these little number tiles, one through seven, and there are these uh, Arcana cards, or Arcana cards, whatever you want to say, and you are going to be drawing two numbers out of a bag, and you're going to be using one to put it on one of the cards to give a clue to what your other number is, and the clues are some kind of math problem or, like, this one is three times what my other one is, that kind of stuff. It's 
there's other ones, but that's the gist. And then people are trying to guess what number you have. And you're trying to get more correct guesses before the doom marker hits zero. That's bad news. So this is a good game. Uh, really nice art and production as well. Uh, my next one is Sleuth, which is an old Sid Saxon game, just cards. Kind of similar to Clue-esque. You got cards, you're trying to figure out which gym is missing out of a whole pile of gems. Um, and you're doing that through using these magnifying glasses to let you ask about colors, numbers, um, all that kind of stuff. Pretty hard because there's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm not ever going to be good at this, but I did like it. It's hard? I played that, right? Yeah, again, hard to me. Okay. I'm talking about to there me. There were a lot of options, so it yeah. took a while to narrow down. It has a lot more options than most of the games that I play like this. Uh, Black Sonata is a solo only. This is a fairly newish one, and this is about trying to find Shakespeare's Dark Lady. I think that's the theme. I don't really care. Um, <sighs> it's something like that. But this is interesting. You're moving around this little map trying to figure out where the Dark Lady is, and you have these interesting cards. You're going to be getting these clues of these cards that have holes in them. And when you get to a location you're going to investigate, you're going to take the card and you're going to flip it over and put it under another card. And if you see the Dark Lady's picture through the hole, you know you've guessed correctly. It's a really cool little mechanism. It's a pretty simple game to play. But again, I've played this a bunch of times, never won it, but I suck at deduction. Um, my next one is an everybody versus one game, and that's Clue, the Great Museum Caper. Uh, everybody's a detective in this. Someone's a, a thief trying to steal these paintings from the museum, and people are trying to figure out where the detect or the uh, thief is before they get too many paintings and run out of the building. I don't like this game. Is it really deduction? I think so. You're trying to deduce where they're going or chase them around. I feel like it's hidden I mean, movement. But I guess I guess yeah, it could be. I don't know. But you don't know where they are on the map, so you're asking questions and stuff with like the security cameras yeah, and all that yeah. thing. It it's not as much probably as some of the other ones. And my last one now, I think this could be a good game, <laughs> but the rule book is terrible, and it's called Batman Gotham City Mystery. And this is a game again. It's everybody versus one. Somebody's taking on the role of a villain. And where the deduction comes in here is. That person's going to pick a villain out of the stack of like eight randomly. And what that means is that's going to give them certain items around the map that they're trying to steal. And if they can steal all those items before the people figure out who the villain is, they win the game. Then everybody else is going to take on the role of Nightwing, Robin, Batman, and I think Batgirl, I think. And then the, we're going to move around the map and you're trying to figure out what the bad guy's taking. If you catch the bad guy, you're going to get a look at some of their cards that they have. You're going to put it into this cool little bat computer, and it's going to show some uh, lines. If the line points over to the side of a villain, then you know that they could possibly be one of those three or four villains. So as you're, you're busting the bad guy and stealing their stuff from them, stealing their stuff back, you're going to narrow down kind of who they are so you can figure it out, arrest them, all that kind of stuff. It, it was fun the way we played it. I don't know if it was right. I'd like to play it again with some better rules. But of all of these, it's the one that I want to come back to again because mm. uh, I like the theme and I think it has potential to be good if I can figure out how to play it. So those are my uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, we'd like to play with better rules. But we have to write those rules first. Is <laughs> really probably yeah what that yeah. is. Um, we picked up this new game, really simple, fun game, 13 Clues. Um, where it has that kind of Hanabi type style where everyone has a player screen and there are three cards and on the front, there's a suspect, um, a weapon in a location, and you're trying to figure out what you have on your front based on what you can see on other screens. And plus there are two cards tucked behind your screen. Uh, so that just adds a little bit more of, to the mystery of, what you don't quite know. And so you're asking questions of different people, um, what they can see color wise um, or different types. They like even distinguish like between ranged weapons and melee weapons. Um, it's like a really fun little spin on something Clue-esque. Uh, speaking of Clue, awkward guess. Uh, this almost made it to my top three but as you can tell as i rambled on about my top three i have a serious love for them but awkward guess super good um it has this crazy card system where 
you you use an app and it'll you pick the level of difficulty and your players and it'll tell you these numbers to pull out of the stack of cards. And somehow those cards are exactly what you need to be able to to figure out um, who killed the main guy, um, where it happened and what they were killed with. Sometimes they have an accomplice. Like it can get really difficult. I've only played even on like the normal level and it's hard. But the cool thing about this is like you're trading instead of just like saying like, oh, do you have any... I don't I, I don't even remember how to play the clue now. Do you have any Oh, in the room. Uh, how many how many like, red cards can you No, see no, in the room like in, in in clue like oh, oh, do you have oh, something from this room yeah. with this weapon or this suspect? You say, "Okay, I want to know about this suspect and this room." And so then people offer like, "Oh, well, I've got three value of clues that relate to that." And so you choose whose clues you want to take, and then you have to exchange clues from your own hand that are equal in value to the clues they give you. So info moves around a lot, but it, it's it's tough. It's good. Um, 221B Baker Street is an old and busted, but I really like this for some reason. Um, you get like a, a briefing at the beginning of the case, like a case at the beginning before you even play, which is actually super important. Because it tells you what you need to know. You're trying to... <laughs> it is super important, yes. And the game, it actually tells you on the little printout, like, what you need to find out. If you need to find out who the murderer was, what their motive was, what the weapon was, or sometimes it's other things. So you're going around. It's a roll and move aside from that to find information um, at these different locations. And then you read that particular location. Um, you can like lock places to try and keep your information a secret, um, but then get back to like the main location to, to solve the case. It's old school, but super fun. Like I really enjoyed it. The last time we played it, um, Mr. The Abbey again, clue esque, but you've got all these monks. It's like, guess who and clue had a baby. Um, and there's also other little things you can do in there, go into other people's other monks cells, take cards from them. Um, come back together at mass. You've got scriptorium cards, you got bibliotech cards, um, crypt cards. Those are all really interesting and you can make just basic claims that are worth points as well as your final like accusation guess. And finally, I would be remiss if I didn't mention a kid's deduction game. As a child, I played deduction games a lot. I played Clue Jr. Um, like the case of the m missing pet or something, I think, or I don't remember. It was adorable artwork. It was like, um, the artwork looked like Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> like they were so cute. And I played the crap out of that game before moving on to regular Clue. I don't know if that's where my love ejection started. It's either that or like all those episodes of Magnum P.I., Quincy, and McMillan and Wife. But Detective Charlie is a great modern game of deduction for kids. Uh, this is from, oh, what's the company? It has that adorable little corgi on it, right? Um, I'm looking right at it. Ludo. Yeah, Ludo. Ludo. Um, I think. I think. But Detective Charlie, adorable cat, adorable, adorable artwork. Um, it's it's limited. There's like six cases. Um, but each case you're like trying to find something really cute, like who is getting whose packages am I getting? And it's like a snake, and they they got this package of like uh swim trunks. Well, the snake doesn't wear swim trunks; doesn't have legs. Um, so then you you have these cards, and you're able to like physically remove suspects based on the clues that you're getting. So it really helps kids start to understand the deduction process, and it's so sherbety, freaking adorable. I love it. Uh, so if you like deduction and you want to get your kids started on it, I highly recommend Check Charlie, as well as all the 1970s cop shows. It's from Loki. Loki. That's it. Also, I just found out there's four new cases. <gasps> no. Yep. Detective Charlie part in vacance. I don't know. No, no. Are you what? Four new cases. <laughs> uh, how do we get them? I have no idea. 2022. I'm going to have to find that out. I know, because um, my daughter... Teo Rivier. Hey, there he is again. Okay. Who's that? 
That's the sea salt and paper. Oh. Um, bag of chips. Yeah, He's yeah. Done lots of little games. It's good. It's so good. Um, our daughter will be super pumped if we can get those extra cases because she she really loved that. She knows that I love mysteries um, and solving them, and so she loved that she got to be a part of it. And I tried to let her take the lead and think through some of the clues. So it was it was really fun and super adorable. Hmm. That's great. I feel like I've talked a lot this episode. Yeah, I still got to edit so we can wrap this up. I just get so overwhelmed by deduction because I love it so much. So I know there are other deduction games out there that I haven't played. Um, And on the board game rundown Whiskey Wednesday, I wrote some down and then I have since lost all of my notes uh, because that's real good. So if you have some pure deduction games, send them to us on any of our socials. Uh, we got the face got Facebook. We got the hashtag the riveted, the best group on Facebook. We've got a Discord chat. We've got the Twitters. We've got the Instas. We got the Tiki Talks. We got the YouTubes. Did I already say the Twitters? I did say the Twitters, but I'll say it again. The Twitters. Yeah. I'm trying to make videos. Um it's harder now that I have to actually go to work and flame. <laughs> it's harder now um, that I have to actually go to work. Yeah. But, yeah, we got tons of videos. Uh, we like talking to you everywhere we can talk to you. Well, Katie really likes it. I do it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we appreciate all of you for sure. Yes. So, happy Easter from all of us here at the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I feel like I got louder as the episode went on. Like I just kept escalating. Like I didn't know how to, I was having trouble controlling the vibe of my voice.